Good evening, Tucson Mountain Baptist Church. Very glad that you all are here. <clears throat> Let's bow for a short prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you again for this time that we gather together and to uh, ask your Lord's ask the Lord's your blessing upon our uh, service today. And Lord, we ask you to uh, uh, help us to learn and to worship and to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. At Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. My burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. By God's word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned. Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did spend at Calvary. 
free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden so found liberty at Calvary. Pastor Jasper. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. So every time I stand here, it feels like it's always my first time. So, so allow me to read uh, our passage this evening. It's Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. So we're just going to focus to the two verses. Uh, allow me to read it. It says, Do not be fooled. You cannot cheat God. People harvest only what they plant. If they plan to satisfy their sinful selves, their sinful selves will bring them ruin. But if they plan to please the Spirit, they will receive eternal life from the Spirit. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this opportunity where we could come to you and ponder upon your word. Lord, Father, we ask for your guidance. We, we ask for the Holy Spirit to uh, enlighten us, Lord, to see and to apply the truth from your word. We ask, Lord, that you will continue to mold us. Don't uh, allow us to leave this place unchanged, but continue to mold us in accordance to your will. And the more we're going to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what you have desired to each one of us. Thank you for everything. In Christ's precious name, amen. Amen. So the Bible is an amazing book. So one of its amazing features is that its truths are timeless. They do not change with our changing times. According to survey, that a book on science 10 years old is nine years outdated. It means it's just a year that people would be interested with it. But the Bible, on the other hand, is about 4,000 years old, and it's still the world's best-selling book. And the reason why, because its truths are timeless. They do not change. They are universal principles impacting, influencing every person, every culture, and every age. So regardless of your age, it doesn't matter. The Word of God is applicable, could help you, influence us to be a better person. And the book of Galatians chapter 6, I believe, is one of the clearest timeless truth in the scripture. It is a universal principle that governs both physical and spiritual realms. Every farmer knows and lives to this law. So I titled this message tonight, Life is like planting a field. And we're going to discover that why. So every farmer knows and lives to this law. Young and old, educated or not, rich or poor, could understand and relate to this principle. So it, it, it means it, that your age doesn't matter, your knowledge doesn't matter, your experiences in life doesn't matter. This principle is applicable to every one of us. And it's easy to understand. He knows, when it, when it comes to this principle, he knows if you plant corn, you will get corn, right? Simple as that. If you plant watermelon, you will get watermelon. If a farmer plants orange, he does not expect to get a harvest of lemons because the physical world is governed by this law, what we call sowing and reaping. 
In science, they call it cause and effect. They just rename the sowing and reaping principle. So tonight, what is true in physical realm is also true in what we call spiritual realm. In Apostle Paul, the writer of the book of Galatians, I called him writer because God is the author and the people are the writers, just the writers. So it says here, Apostle Paul takes a well-known physical law and applies it to the spiritual life. And Paul was reminding us that we could not live any way we please and get away with it. There, there will be a result. We cannot enjoy sin for a season and expecting no results. God will not be mad. It says there we cannot cheat God. We cannot deceive God because God is all-knowing. He knows everything and God is all-present. So we cannot deceive God. We cannot cheat God. We cannot fool God in everything we do because God is all-knowing and God is all-present. So every man will reap what we sow. So if it means that we cannot go away from those things that we have done. So there are three things that I would like to share tonight. That there are three parts of this principle that we need to know and understand. Number one, it says, number seven, people harvest only what they plant. It means reaping in kind. So verse 7, it says there, people harvest only what they plant. It means a man will not reap something other than what he has sown. But he will reap exactly what he planned. So it means if you plant corn, you will get corn, right? That's what I've said. You plant apple, you get apple. If you plant kindness, you will reap kindness. If you plant love, you will reap love. If you plant hatred, you will reap hatred. If you plant bitterness, you will reap bitterness. The same kind. Someone said, what we sow in youthful days, we reap in older years. Do you remember the story of Jacob? The word Jacob, it means the deceiver. In Genesis chapter 27 and 29, you will read there the story of Jacob. Jacob deceived his father, Isaac. He put on a hairy goat skin and pretended to be his brother, Esau. Jacob wanted his brother's blessing. He wanted the inheritance, the wealth that was due to his older brother. So after successfully deceiving his father, he ran away to his uncle Laban. And Laban, yes, uh, two daughters. So Jacob thought he got away with it. He thought he was free and clear. Then he fell in love with Laban's youngest daughter named Rachel. In order to marry Rachel, Laban made Jacob work for seven years. So after seven years, on the wedding day, after the wedding ceremony was finished and the commitment was made, Jacob lifted the veil of his bride, and behind the veil was Rachel's sister. So we could see there. So Jacob worked another seven years for Rachel. We could see there the deceiver had been deceived. You do not reap something different, but you reap of the same kind 
you reap the same likeness. Not only people harvest only what they plant, but also people harvest in due season. It says there, uh, verse number uh, 8, it says there, If they plan to satisfy their sinful selves, their sinful self will bring them ruin. But if they plan to please the Spirit, they will receive the eternal life from the Spirit. It says they bring them. So it says there, that everyone will one day reap what they plan. We may not always reap quickly, but we always reap what we plan. So the farmer knows that there is a time to plant and a time to harvest, right? And each happen at a different time. Let me tell you a story about a man who wrote a, a letter to the editor of a newspaper saying, he said, I am not a Christian. I blaspheme the name of God. I work on Sundays. I do not give tithes and offering to the work of the Lord. I do not go to church. I am a successful farmer. Here it is October and we're getting ready to reap our crop. And I have a better crop than all your supposed Christian friends. And he said, how do you answer that? So the editor answered and put it in a newspaper, this word. God doesn't always settle his accounts in October. See that? But God always settles his account. Payday will come someday, and every man will reap according to God's time. I want you to remember that. Every man will reap according to God's time. Our time frame, our timetable is not the same with God's time, right? But every man will reap according to God's time. Do you remember the story of Moses? When Moses was a baby in Egypt, the Egyptians put out a decree that all the male infants of the Hebrew children were be put to death. So from two years old below, they were put to death and for 80 years, the Egyptians prospered and they became a great nation. And the Jews cried out to God. They said, God, where is the justice? How could you allow your people suffer and we could prosper? Maybe, maybe you have the same, the same words that you ask God. God, where is the justice? God, how could you allow your people suffer and we could prosper? The same, the same words uh, David used when his enemy is getting stronger. How could you allow your people suffer and we could prosper? But remember this, yet the principle of sowing and reaping happened in God's time, exactly 80 years after the Hebrews children were put to death, God poured out his judgment. Remember the 10 plagues? The last one, the third one, that that angel come and every firstborn child in Egypt was slain from the Pharaoh's palace to the lowest hovel in the land of Egypt. So everyone will reap in time and Christian is not exempted with that. Yet the fact that salvation removes the penalty of sin or the consequences of sin, we will never reap the ultimate consequence of sin, which is death 
and judgment in hell because the Lord Jesus Christ already reaped the consequences of sin at the cross of Calvary. But salvation does not remove the earthly consequences of our sin. Every one of us will reap the earthly heartaches, wounds, and shame caused by our sin. The book of Numbers remind us, chapter 32, verse 23, it says, And be sure your sin will find you out. It means all will one day reap what they planned. So not only people harvest only what they plant, and that is reaping in kind, but also people harvest in due season what they plan, and that is reaping in time. And third, people harvest more than, so a while ago it's only, but here, people harvest more than what they plan, and that is reaping in increase. In the book of Isaiah 8 and verse 7, it says, They plant the wind and they reap the whirlwind. So it says, in other words, we always reap more than we plant. This is true in the physical realm, in the physical world. From one tiny seed comes a large tree, right? And producing a hundred pieces of fruits and thousands of new seeds. So it means people harvest more than what they plant. Do you know that the largest living thing on earth is not the blue whale, but the Sequoia gigantea, this is a giant redwood, is so large that it takes 30 men joining hands to go around the base of the tree. So, yet this tree comes from a tiny seed no bigger than the seed of an orange. That's how it's small. But we could see the size. What is true in the physical realm is also true in the spiritual realm. Like a seed, we always reap more than we plan. So there are two things. This truth can be both positive and negative. Let's start with the positive way. According to Jesus, in the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 20, it says, But these are the ones sown the good ground. Those who hear the words, accept it, and bear fruit some 30-fold, some 60, and some hundreds. For example, if you reach 12 people a year with the gospel message, and those 12 believe, and those 12 reach another 12, and those another 12 reach another 12 in 12 years, you would have reached 26,364 people, Right? Like if you train your child or your kids how to live in accordance to God's word, right? And your kids will train their kids. And your kids' kids will train their kids. Just imagine the impact, right? But also true in a negative way. According to the book of James, James chapter 1, verse 15, it says, then when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. So it's just like in a positive way, it multiplies the same way in a negative. It multiplies. From a single sin, multiplies. It's just like when you lie, in order to cover your lies, you're going to lie again, right? So it continues, and the more... 
you commit sin, the more it grows. Like, for example, there was a man named Max Jukes. He was not a Christian, but grew up as a drunkard and atheist. He married a young lady of like character and reputation. Many, many years after their death, someone out of curiosity traced their descendant to see the result of their family tree. They discovered that out of 1,000 descendants of Max, there are 300 of them died prematurely. There are 200 spent time in prison, and 100 of them were public prostitutes. The point is that we always reap more than we plant. It could be positive or negative. God always gives us more than we give him, right? But sin always takes from us more than we give it. We reap what we sow in kind and in time and in increase. Someone said, sow thought, reap an action. Sow an action, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap a character. Sow a character, and you will reap destiny. Since all of us will reap what we sow, not only it is important for us to choose the right seed, but it is also important to choose the right field. And according to this verse, every Christian has only two fields in which we can plant. It says there, if they plan to satisfy their sinful selves, their sinful selves will bring them ruin. So the first field is the field of the flesh. So the, the flesh simply refers to our old sinful patterns of living, to the old habits of life, old ways of thinking and acting. That, that's why the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. That's why this, this nature is what we call old sinful patterns of living. It is that part of us that desires its own way and wants to do its, its own thing. It is the part of you that constantly calling you to sin. And that is what we call our sinful nature. When we sow to the flesh, we will reap corruption according to Galatians chapter 6, verse, verse uh, 8. So the word corruption, it means to decay. Or in other version, it says to ruin. And that is, at the moment we plant to that field, it grows. What we are doing is we are morally and spiritually decaying. We are morally and spiritually rotting. That is why when we Christians embrace that fleshly pattern of living, they go from good to bad, and then from bad to worse. Allow me to use this illustration. They are like apples removed from the tree, right? You know what will happen to that apple. The moment that apple leaves the tree, the process of decay sits in, right? It begins to rot, and it begins to die. The same true with us. When we make a choice to embrace that fleshly pattern of living, whether it is in our attitude or action, we start to spiritually and morally decay or ruin. 
When we sow to the flesh, we reap corruption of the flesh. But there is what we call the second field, which we can plant, and that is the field of the Spirit. It says in that verse, But if they plan to please the Spirit, they will receive eternal life from the Spirit. To sow to the Spirit is the same as walking in the Spirit, according to Galatians 5.16 to 22, that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. To sow to the Spirit is the same as to set your mind on the Spirit, according to Romans 8.6. To sow to the Spirit is to seek God and to set your mind on the things of God. Apostle Paul said in the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, If then you were raised with Christ, seek the things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on earth. It means to reap, to sow in the spirit, you will reap everlasting life. The word everlasting life there refers to both equality and quantity of life. When we plant to the spirit, we will reap the fruit of the spirit and our lives will be characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. It says there in the book of Galatians, you will be characterized by love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is the, char- is the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. It means the more we plant in the Spirit, the more we become Christ-like. And that is our goal, right? That is our goal why we, we are still here. God wants us to be like Christ. God is molding us to be like Christ. And the more we plant to that field of the Spirit, the more we become Christ-like. Now the question is, I want you to leave, to ponder this question, which field are you sowing right now? Since you became a Christian, which field are you planting? Are you planting in the field of the flesh or of the spirit? Every day is not just another day for us to enjoy those people around us, our loved ones, our family. But every day is a chance for us to choose the right seed and plant in the right field. It is not by accident why God gave us another day. God wants us to be more like Christ. God wants us to be fruitful. God wants us to grow in a relationship with him. Every day is a chance for you and for me to choose the right seed and plant to the right field. Allow me to read verse number Verse number 10, it says there, according to Apostle Paul, when it comes to sowing and reaping principle, when it comes to planting, it says there, when we have opportunity to help anyone, if there is opportunity for us to plant a good seed, Paul said, we should do it. But we should give special attention. I want you to look at that phrase. I want you 
to, to ponder upon that phrase, it says, but we should give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. Every words, every action, every response, the way we act to other people, we are planting seeds. We are throwing seeds to the life of other people. And those seeds will grow and change the place where it is planted. Like, we cannot, we cannot separate uh, the parents, their kids, when it comes to their, the way they behave. Because kids absorb everything, what they see, what they hear to their parents, right? It's just like planting seeds to your kids. And those seeds will grow, and those kids will grow and become like you. You are, you are throwing seeds to their lives. So it says here, if there is opportunity to do good, to plant a good seed, it says there, but we should give special attention to those who are in the family of believers, of believers. So if there is opportunity to plant a good seed, you have to plant first to your fellow believers. Not only, not only reaching out, that, as what they've said, how we could minister outside the church if we could, we could not minister to our own people or to our brother and sister in Christ in this church. How we could be effective minister if our brother and sister here, we could, we, we could not do that, right? So it, Paul is encouraging them, if you plant a good seed, you have to plant first to your family of believers. Especially, it says there, you have to consider it first. So brother and sister in Christ, as I close, I want you to ponder this. Are you choosing the right seed and planting it in the right field? And second, how is your relationship with other believers? Are you planting a good seed to their lives? Or are you planting a bad seed to their lives? Shall we pray? Father God, Lord, thank you so much for this message, for this timeless truth that you have reminded us to be aware what seed and what field we choose to plant. Father, help us to live in accordance to your word. We believe it is not easy. It's only by your grace and by your mercy, dear God. Bless us, Lord, in Christ's precious name. Amen. Good word, Jasper. Very good. All right. Uh, I think we lost Rafi. Where'd he go? All right, Jasper. Go back there and grab a mic for us. We'll let one of these younger guys use it, do that. Let's take some prayer requests and praises tonight. Right here, Jasper. Right here. Raise your hand again, Robert. So I can see you. Thank you. Thank you.